0: Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today, I'm with myself, Sam, and Rob, and we are talking to Annalise Hurst. Oh, hey, Rob. Annalise is joining us as the founder of Unite Marketing and Events. It's a full-service event marketing, management, and recruitment agency. It aims to bring people together for a common purpose or action. Well, that's the definition of Unite. And I think my favorite tagline is events without the drama, because there's normally a lot of drama in events. (laughs) And I also got to say, recently won the New Business of the Year Silver Prize Award. So incredible time to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Oh, Welcome thank
1: you, guys. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Excellent. Well, let's jump straight into it because I know we've got a lot to talk about and a lot to pick your brains about as well. The agency, which you founded in 2021, has already seen you working with some fantastic brand names. You have The Economist, The FT, and even The New Statesman. So to kick off with, what what, what is the story and what made you want to set up shop initially?
1: Well, um I guess I originally set up unite as yeah, I was working at the Financial Times and in line with COVID, uh like many others in the events industry, at the time I was made redundant. Um, so I saw many of the colleagues that I'd worked alongside for yeah, around ten years, um, suddenly found themselves out of work, looking for something uh new, which obviously after a long time can be really daunting. Um, so i have been yeah, I've been talking about setting up my own business for really long time and I just felt like this was uh the opportunity that to take it basically um so I thought yeah if I could so- offer a service doing something that I loved um and I knew that I was good at and then hire all the amazing talented people that i would worked with for such a long time that would stand us in good stead.
2: It's funny you, you so you mentioned the pandemic and I think that obviously changed or kicked off careers for a lot of people in, in one way or the other and speaking of it there was obviously a huge change in terms of the move to virtual. Now people are talking about, is it hybrid? You know, do we just go back to face to face? How do you see it going after the past couple of years and, and which direction do you think it's going to head?
1: So I think I personally think that people are yeah, keen to get back out there, um, mm. attending corporate events, um, but perhaps not at the same level. There was obviously a moment earlier this year, I'm not sure if you both felt the same, um, yeah, where we were running uh, different events for our clients um, and we were almost not sure if anyone was uh, going to turn up. Um, but luckily, none of our fears and sleepless nights panned out and it was almost like being back um, at an event pre-COVID. So we are seeing lots of our clients return to live events, um, but keep the kind of virtual element, so whether that's live on the day or VOD for anyone that can't join. Personally, I think that Vachel is here to stay. Um, and marketers need to ensure that that's part of their strategy from the offset.
0: Yeah, I have to agree on that. Getting back to the face to face, there was, yeah, the, the anxiousness of the pandemic. Everyone was quite worried or not sure even to go in the office or stand within two meters of each other. So I think going back to that, we've, we've seen a massive growth in it. And I think people really miss kind of the networking, the drinking, I have to say as well. Um, but also really just feeling like part of the community, you know, it's, it's not something you get. I found if you get invited to a million webinars and digital events, and you can easily, you know, fall asleep, start doing your emails at the same time, and kind of switch your screen straight away. So it's it's really hard to get that that activation element. I would say for the digital events we've seen, but no, I I couldn't agree more on that point. I, I guess another question to follow off on the back of that is. There's, there's been a lot of changes. I know we've referenced the hybrid working and the hybrid events, the digital events. What would you say over the last few years has probably changed the most and become the hardest part that you've had to deal with for events and marketing? And how have you overcome that? Uh,
1: well, I was thinking, yeah, about when I first started out um, in events marketing and we actually used to send direct mailings, which I feel is showing my age. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, I <laughs> Still I, love I knew, them.
1: <laughs> my first day actually at a new company and yeah i met a colleague who was sending out a mailing to twenty thousand people globally and i just think uh, i personally haven't seen that since like I seems like absolute madness today but, yeah there's obviously so many more um kind of digital technologies that we can try now um and events marketing is clearly a lot more targeted than it's ever been before i think there's sort of you know less of a spray and pray approach um than were yeah. in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um yeah, I think I've kind of been really lucky to work with um yeah, those different companies since setting up uh Unite and the hardest thing I think that I've seen event uh marketers struggle with is one data and two the time to implement everything that they want to do. Mm. So just yeah, just on the data side, um, yeah, obviously when you have a really good uh, data set that's segmented either by industry or audience, you can put together a really compelling mass- messaging strategy for each set. But when the data is old, obviously not segmented and, yeah, in a lot of instances, not actually categorized in any way, it can make things really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, my advice here would be to actually just really spend some time getting to know your data if it's a comp- Cheap mess, you need to start again, basically start again. But I think it's really important to get it into a work, workable format that, yeah, not only you will be able, able to understand, but also anyone that takes on the role after you. And then there's also, you know, if you're lucky enough to work in an organ- organisation, you know, that has a data team, then again, spend some time, get into grips with the tools that you have, try and do some really clever stuff such as, you know, segmentation based on action or dynamic content based on industry or job title, etc., I think for me, that's when it gets really exciting.
0: That twenty thousand campaign—I I can't even imagine doing that these days. I was, I was just—I was just thinking back. Remember the days when you could do assumed email addresses, and yeah. you could—you could literally guess the first name, last name, look at the format of the company, and just blast them. I, I can't believe that even existed. And I know that's—I know we can't do that in the EU or kind of in Europe, but all oh, Canada! But I know a lot of countries you still can do that, especially the US. But that, that twenty thousand—that that, was that campaign successful?
1: No, and they didn't trap it either. it's you know? <laughs> like no, we've done
2: our bit. It's all just going to work. Blast Imagine, yeah, yeah. Imagine the cost of that as well. Do you know? Even with digital, there are still a lot of people who still do spray and pray. You know, you talked about assumed email, and people still do variations of that. They scrape yeah. lists. They use. You know, especially in the B2B where they think it's a bit easy, you know, they'll just go, oh, a legitimate interest, oh, you know, it's that, fine. That is the devil's
0: advocate. Legitimate interest yeah. seems to justify 90% of spam these days, honestly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it, Annalise, you go into companies and, you know, one of the biggest things or the issue, I guess, is around data, right? So if they don't, well, what do you do when you go in you just think they do not have the data they think they, you know, they need or the engagement to try and, you know, get people to the event?
1: I think you just have to work with them closely and try and, you know, obviously make them understand that. Yeah. Get them to a point where they can see actually, you know, we've only got so many people we can target here. We're not gonna hit those numbers in yeah. the best case scenario. So I think it's just really a case of yeah, drilling down from the beginning and spending some time on it initially. Mm.
2: Yeah. Bit I guess bit setting expectations, right? So this is realistic, you know, in terms of what you can expect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know a lot
0: of, a lot of cases before, before an event starts, you look at the data, the segments, and you normally try to predict at least how many delegates or at least the spread it can be based on data. So starting from fresh must be, must be a challenge in itself. Surely it's a, a slow build.
2: Yeah. What, um, I mean, data, I'd imagine is one of them. Are there, what have you found? Are there any other big challenges you've come across when, when working with people or, you know, even when you were marketing yourself?
1: Well, I think I kind of touched on it, um, is the time, you know, actually, I think as an event marketer, there's so much that you can do. Um, you know, you've obviously got, you know, your content marketing, your, um, partners, like your emails, you can segment, you can work on your data, like the list, honestly, is ever growing. I think as we all know. So it's just obviously actually spending the time to do everything right as well. Put some good structure in place to be able to improve on
2: it year on year. It's interesting, you say time as well, because I think for me when I started out within subscription marketing, part of the reason I enjoyed it was because there was there's no constraints of time and the pressure of working in event marketing where there's this looming date and you know how many people you're trying to get and it's getting closer and yeah it yeah, can be quite pressured
1: and as well you know if you haven't got the speakers you know you're waiting for the content team to confirm the speakers so you can't you know you can't promote the event hopefully as far well as you would like to at an earlier point yeah it obviously all has its challenges so i guess as Yeah, as as a team it's trying to find ways to combat those
0: Mm. Off off, off the back of that it's just obviously time most people when we talk about time they think about automating as much as possible but there's obviously a lot you can't automate when setting up an event you know getting lists ready and so forth Have you dealt with automation with companies and try to reduce that time quite significantly or has it been something where they prefer the manual processes still and every time there's a new event a custom event or something that comes up that they're, they're more keen on doing what they've always done which is always kind of the scariest and riskiest thing in business or are they quite open to looking at automation and AI and so forth
1: it obviously depends on the company setup. like I have worked in, um, in the past where we've done a lot of autom- automation we had uh, we used fast stats I don't know if you guys have used that but yeah. absolutely yeah. Brilliant, you know, obviously Mm. putting previous data together and almost does a lot of the work for you. So you can kind of drill down on some of that automation based on action, which again is just really exciting. But in all honesty, I think a lot of the companies that I've worked with, they just don't have that set up. So again, it's what can you do? What what can you do in the in the short term that you actually have um, to make an impact? Yeah.
0: And your tool's only as good as the data you put in. I mean, all the, every tool is useless if we look at them, but the data you put in, how you tag, that makes or breaks everything. And I know you've mentioned kind of data functions. And obviously in the wider event schemes, there's lots of different functions that you have to work with. And as all three of us are coming from a marketeer's kind of background, what has been tricky then with working with sales when you're looking at events management and event marketing? And how do you think? the relationship between the two could start to be improved?
1: Uh, Great question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, the relationship between sales and marketing is obviously, well, not obviously, but yeah, it's probably always going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I think it can work really well if both parties actually have respect for each other. But, you know, the biggest kind of marketing and sales bus stops that I've seen actually have been around the makeup of the audience and the lack of understanding actually on both sides of who there is to sell or market to can obviously cause a a lot of frustrations so i think yeah it's just really important from the start of the project really long before you started marketing selling the event time is spent kind of really drilling down on those data sets knowing the market and the buy buy and sell side yeah in detail and also just finding a way to work collaboratively from the beginning Mm, completely
0: agree. and but with all the different clients every time you go into a new business immediately you must be like right this is a mess or right they absolutely hate marketing or everyone's giving me daggers surely uh, what, what is it on average we're working with like different companies do you find there's certain industries that have a better alliance between the two or is everyone separate or is it just a complete mixed bag
1: Well, i think um yeah the corporate conference space you know the setup is actually quite similar you know you've obviously got your four areas of sales and sales, marketing, operations, uh, and content. Um, and that tends to be consistent kind of wherever you go. I think it ranges in terms of probably respect for each other. I think I probably can I can stand my own, so it doesn't really bother me if someone, <laughs> someone's giving <Yeah>. me um, <laughs> yeah. any hassle. You know, I, I'm able to kind of push back on that. But obviously, you can see sometimes where people can't, and there's a bit of a struggle. The smaller teams um, that I've gone into, they just don't have that set up. Um, so yeah,
2: sometimes that can cause a bit, a uh, bit of friction. Yeah. Can, can you tell us who's, uh, who's quite bad for it?
1: <laughs> no, of course not.
2: <laughs> okay. I didn't think you would. I, I thought we'd try. Oh, <laughs> cheeky, Rob. <laughs> cheeky. Um, how about, could you tell us who's good at it? Oh, that's a
0: good one, yeah.
1: Who's good at it? Wait, um, does that
0: mean by process of elimination we can work out who's sh- bad?
1: Sh- <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked, um, yeah, with The Economist, actually. They were brilliant. Just kind of on the I worked on the Eurofinance side and just, yeah, loads of respect within the teams. Um, okay. Everyone got on really well. Just, yeah, really lovely team to work with. And obviously, yeah. when you actually go into those companies. You, you, you've got a big ass to some extent because there's, there's a lot of pressure on you almost as a contractor. Yeah. Um, you know, to deliver. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to get stuck in quite quickly, know everyone, you know, within a week or so, and then move things forward quite, you know, at, at speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd yeah. say I, I really loved working with them. They were a great team.
2: Okay. it's good. So for, for any young people looking for a job, uh, The Economist sounds like the place to go. Yeah
1: i new statesman, of course. Son.
0: Oh, well, no, of course, yeah. I didn't want to shout out that, but we were getting there. We were getting there. I mean, off, off the back of that, you must have been onboarded and your team more than anyone else in history in terms of working with all these different companies, coming in there, evaluating, learning the teams. How has that been, constantly having to go in a new place, learn the whole scenario, and then being expected to be the expertise in such a short amount of time?
1: I actually love it. I really love it. Because I just like my work ethic, I, I just... You know, I kind of like, like to work quite hard and I think it kind of gives me that pressure, to, yeah, just to come in and do something quickly and yeah, deliver results. Yeah, I, I really like it because I think it gives us the opportunity to meet loads of different people, have different conversations. I actually thought, you know, when I left um, the FT that I'd, you know, really struggle, you know, getting to know more people, but actually I haven't, you know, just kind of slotted in wherever I needed to. Mm. Um, and so have the team you know that's that's the great thing about the way that we work you we've know, tried to employ people that are you know positive have the same sort of energy that want to go in and do a really good job and kind of leave everyone smiling
2: yeah yeah that's great it seems to me you're constantly hiring at the moment your your agency is now in its second year you're growing at a rapid pace so the big question is what's next on the horizon for you guys
1: Yeah, I think, as I said, I'm just really kind of keen to keep riding that sort of positive energy wave. I think, you know, we've had such a fantastic start to the year last year. It's just been really exciting to see how we've grown. And I keep saying I'm trying, like trying to scale basically at a rate that I'm comfortable with. Um, We've got some really exciting projects lined up. Uh, We're working with Channel 4, actually, which we haven't mentioned yet. And yeah, just some really cool, yeah, cool things on the horizon.
0: Can you say what the Channel 4 piece is, or is it all NDA-type stuff?
1: Yeah, I think I can. We're, um, we're working with them. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: we, can, we can remove this if not, don't worry.
1: <laughs> um, so we're working with them on an event to celebrate uh, 10 years since the Paralympics.
0: Oh, brilliant. So um,
1: we're bringing together a lot of the athletes and stakeholders. Yeah, it's quite cool to be on emails where it's like, can you just email this person? And then the person is Seb Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's <laughs> um, not a
0: bad one to have, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. It's really exciting. Um, yeah, that's in a couple of weeks. We would have worked on it, like, basically from start to finish, but maybe a month. So it's really quick turnaround. Wow. That's,
0: that's amazing. I was going to ask, we ask... Every guest who comes on for one killer tip. Now, I know we've spoken about a few things already. And I know a good tip would be to come for you for any marketing roles or event roles. So that's one tip I can give everyone who's listening. Go go to Unite Marketing and Events. There you go. (laughs) But yeah, Annalise, what's your one kind of killer tip that you've learned through the agency in-house and through your career so far?
1: I think it's network. So I think, yeah, I just basically had no idea the power of network, I think, prior to starting my business. And it's just been so incredible, actually, to kind of see the business that we've got through knowing someone that I met 10 years ago at an event, someone that knew someone that, you know, recommended us. Actually, I just think that's, um, yeah, amazing. And... Yeah, it's always to be nice. Always important to be nice to people. Yeah, on the way up because you're never sure. You're never sure when you'll pass me, meet again.
0: Yeah, what's that treat, treat Treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO, isn't it? You never know.
2: Thank you very much, Lise, for coming in. Awesome to to speak to you, um, and to everyone else. Speak soon.